This is episode 138 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we get to today's episode, I'm excited to share that I'm adding two new postpartum recovery bonuses to my Bump to Birth course by the end of August 2020. Enrollment continues to be open, but join before midnight on September 4th to get the course and new bonuses at the current price before it goes up on September 5th, 2020. One new bonus is a six-week postpartum recovery exercise series, so you'll have guidance on pelvic floor and core rehab and retraining exercises and tips to help you feel more supported during each week of your initial postpartum recovery. The second new postpartum bonus is a postpartum meditation created by Mitsutsi Stone, who is a labor and delivery nurse, doula, and mindset coach. This meditation is helpful not only for your recovery after birth, but also your transition to motherhood. Also recently, by popular demand, I've permanently included my partner labor prep workshop in the Bump to Birth course, so your partner can also feel prepared with strategies to support you during birth and your postpartum recovery. If you're not familiar with Bump to Birth, it's my online program that guides you step-by-step to understand and connect with your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy, strategies to prepare your mind and pelvic floor for labor, how to support you and your pelvic floor during pushing, and a recovery plan for your first six weeks postpartum. The program has demonstration videos and downloadable audio lessons, plus handouts to complement each lesson. The course includes a bonus private members-only Facebook group where you can ask questions, plus I do live Q&A sessions every other week, so you get the support you want and need during pregnancy and postpartum. Other bonuses include expert interviews, online pelvic floor and core yoga class, as well as strength training workouts that can be used in pregnancy and postpartum, plus a pregnancy and labor meditation audio track that includes pelvic floor relaxation cues so you can also prepare mentally for birth. So if you're ready to feel prepared physically and mentally for birth, plus get a head start on your postpartum recovery, join me and many other expecting moms in the Bump to Birth course. To get started today, head to the show notes or head to bumptobirthcourse.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And today I'm going to be answering your questions all about the pelvic floor, pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery. So I often receive questions in my DMs on Instagram and also my private messages on Facebook. And a lot of these questions are similar 
to when I see clients in the clinic, as well as those coming into my Bump to Birth online course. So I thought doing an episode specifically about these questions would be helpful because maybe you that are listening will find these are questions you have as well. So let's jump into the first question. And it's about, should I do Kegels in pregnancy? I've been hearing more that maybe it's not such a good idea. And so here's the thing. Doing pelvic floor muscle training in pregnancy is not necessarily a bad thing. But doing hundreds of Kegels a day isn't really needed and not usually helpful. And so pelvic floor muscle training can help with certain pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy and may decrease the risk of some pelvic floor symptoms postpartum. But to remember for the actual event of labor and birth, learning how to lengthen and relax your pelvic floor can be quite helpful. So I typically don't give what people think of as traditional Kegels, um, but instead I incorporate the breath with the pelvic floor along with the rest of the core. And then adding that into movement. So it's not often or ever um, that my clients will go home with just doing some pelvic floor contractions lying down. And that's often traditionally what we're taught. Or if you start Googling pelvic floor exercises, that's often what people will be told. But if you are experiencing symptoms, so whether it's leaking uh, pee, stool, or gas, whether you're experiencing pelvic organ prolapse, or um, pelvic pain, back pain, diastasis. Um, There's just so much more to it than just doing some pelvic floor contractions on your back. And even if you're not having symptoms and you're just looking to prepare for birth, there's much more that could be helpful for you to do. And also when it comes to traditional Kegels, most people are told just to squeeze and tighten these muscles. And I'll briefly go over where your pelvic floor is to give you an idea. So our pelvic floor muscles, they attach from your pubic bone in the front and they go all the way to your tailbone in the back. So that's the front to back um, area. And then side to side, they go from sit bone to sit bone. So if you're sitting right now and you place your hands just under each bum cheek, you'll feel a hard bone and those are your sits bones. So it goes side to side. So it's that whole diamond shaped is actually your pelvic floor. And there's three layers to those muscles as well. So like I said, most often people are just told to squeeze and tighten. But really, those muscles are meant to uh, squeeze and lift and lengthen and lower. So to get a visual of that, if you think of like a bicep curl, you want to shorten the muscles. So you're going to curl your arm, but then you can also lengthen your arm fully. So that's really what we want with the pelvic floor as well. And so I go through this with all of my prenatal physiotherapy clients and also in my online bump to birth course. Now, there are some people who do have what we call pelvic floor tension. And so that's when the muscles tend to be more tense. Um, And this can happen for a variety of reasons, including stress. So often if we are experiencing pelvic floor tension, it's due to something else happening and that is how our body is responding. So Again, that great example is stress. That's often how our body and our brain almost tries to protect us is tensing or tightening those muscles. So for people who, for example, see me during pregnancy and through an assessment, we 
find that they do carry pelvic floor tension, there may be more of a focus on just about the lengthening and relaxation of those muscles versus necessarily strengthening, at least initially. And then also other strategies. So if there's different stresses, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, that we feel together is contributing to that pelvic floor tension, we also want to address that. And then in combination, that's also going to help them prepare for birth. So knowing how to relax, connect to these muscles, but relax those muscles, and also those other strategies to help Um, manage different types of stresses can actually be then incorporated into labor strategies. And so for people who are expecting who don't carry pelvic floor tension, it's still helpful to learn how to connect to your pelvic floor, learn how to lengthen and relax your pelvic floor using your breath and visualization, because this can also be really helpful once you're in labor and also with pushing. So the next question is, what can I do to help prepare my body for a VBAC? So that's a vaginal birth after cesarean. Last time my baby was OP, so that means occiput posterior, or you may have heard sunny side up, or that baby's face was facing your front and the back of their head was facing towards your back. And so this person ended up having a cesarean birth. And they were asking, how do I create space in my pelvis for pushing. And so I do see a number of prenatal physiotherapy clients who've given birth before and had a similar question. And also there's a number of people in the bump to birth course who are, who have prepared for a VBAC and who are planning for an upcoming VBAC as well. And so some things to keep in mind is no one can guarantee that doing one specific thing is going to help baby be in a quote-unquote optimal position going into birth. So something to keep in mind is no one can guarantee doing one specific thing will help baby be in an optimal position going into birth. However, there are things that might help encourage baby to give them space to be in a head-down position, but in a more optimal position to allow their chin to tuck, which can help move baby into your pelvis as labor gets going. So you may be hearing this and being like, I don't know what OA and OP and all these terms mean. And it can be helpful to understand uh, what that is because most people are just told, you know, if baby is head down or if they're not, and if they're not, you know, are they transverse or are they lying side to side or are they breach? And there's variations of breach and that refers to baby's head being up Um, and their bottom being down versus the other way around. So like I said, OP refers to occiput posterior. And occiput is the back of the baby's head, or essentially your head as well. Um, So you can get an idea where that is. And posterior means that part of the baby's head is facing the posterior or the back of the pregnant person. And so sometimes, again, you might hear the idea of sunny side up. Sometimes that's a term that is used. And then OA would be the opposite. So that's when that occiput of the baby is facing the anterior or the front or the front of the pelvis of the pregnant person. And then there's all sorts of variations from there. So they can be more towards one side, for example, LOA, which would be that their occiput is towards the anterior, but a little bit towards the left. Um, And then the same towards your right and transverse as well. So there's variations and it can just be helpful to learn more about that. Spinning Babies has a great uh, resource. I go through with my 
physiotherapy clients what the different positions look like with baby in the pelvis and also go through this in my bump to birth course as well. And so to get an idea why it can be helpful for the baby's chin to tuck is if you picture putting on a turtleneck. And if you're putting on that turtleneck, try doing it with your head extended. So with essentially with your chin up. And that's often the position the baby will be going into the pelvis if they're OP. So if they're sunny side up or occiput posterior. And so trying to get into a turtleneck at the start like that is pretty challenging. If you tuck your chin, you'll find it's easier to get into your turtleneck. And then at the end, you'll extend your head, which is similar to what baby does when they come out. And so it's just to give you a visual of why that can be helpful And then in terms of optimal positions, so looking at the uterus, the uterus is not symmetrical. And so it's, it's different, uh, it's a different shape on the left and on the right. And so the idea of if baby can be in that occiput anterior position, but if they are a bit towards the left, that might also be helpful for them to tuck their chin more versus if they're on the right. And so this is something you can, again, check in with your care provider um, to learn more about positioning. And often this isn't looked at until later in pregnancy because they are moving around in different positions in that first and second trimester. So it's usually later on and your care provider might be, you might notice that they're feeling around your abdomen, you know, they'll feel for baby and uh, the heartbeat and to hear that, but also they're feeling for baby position. And often you'll only be told, you know, is baby head up? Um, So breech or if baby is head down, but you could ask them more if they can, you know, tell you what they're feeling, where they feel the back of the baby. Um, and also Spinning Babies has a great resource called Belly Mapping, which is a way you can learn to kind of tune into what you feel in your own abdomen and where you're feeling kicks and flutters from the baby to help you figure out where baby position is. And then you can always go through that with your care provider and have them feel with you so that you can you know, become a part of that process. And it's a great way also to bond with baby. So with this specific question, how this person had asked about creating space in the pelvis for pushing. So like I just talked about the different positions and positions that may be more optimal and baby may be in a different position and going into labor, they end up rotating and getting into a great position. So that can definitely happen as well. So like I mentioned, spinning babies can be a great resource to learn more about different techniques that could potentially help baby get into um, a great position going into labor. And so Spinning Babies, it's a company that was started by a midwife in the US, Gail Tully. And the idea around these strategies is helping to, you know, decrease tension around your abdomen and your pelvis using different strategies. So for example, you know, using prenatal yoga postures, and they have a great online video called Daily Essentials. And that's essentially what it is. It's a mini prenatal yoga flow that you could do daily, and it brings in different uh, positions. The focus is on the breath um, and just helping to move in different ways that can also help with comfort in pregnancy, but again, also help to decrease tension around that area. So I'll often give my prenatal physiotherapy clients 
variations of yoga postures specific for a pregnancy. And so some people like to do videos, whereas other people prefer to be taught specific postures and then they carry those out daily. Um, and it can also help with comfort in pregnancy. So because as a physiotherapist, I can individually assess someone there may be specific postures that actually help with symptoms that they're experiencing. Um, but if you're looking for a great, you know, general video to follow, the Spinning Babies Daily Essentials video that you can access online can be quite helpful. And then they do have some other techniques as well. And not just for if baby is breached, because I think that's a common misconception that the techniques from Spinning Babies are only for if your baby is breached. And they do have ones for if baby is breech. However, if baby is head down, they have other techniques that can be helpful to carry out. So some, uh, they talk about doing daily, for example, the forward leaning inversion. Other ones can be done weekly. So the rebozo mantida. Um, and again, I will link the spinning babies website in the show notes so you can check them out. It is important to go through the website and for each technique, because there may be sub techniques you decide to skip over in your pregnancy because you may have contraindications or reasons why some techniques may not be suitable for you in pregnancy. So I recommend reading the website just to check which ones are appropriate for you. So the next question was from someone who's concerned about having a tight pelvic floor and how that is going to affect pushing. So I first want to mention if you don't address pelvic floor tension in pregnancy or if you don't know you have tension, pelvic floor tension in pregnancy, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have a certain birth or a negative birth experience. And so using different relaxation strategies in labor itself can actually help your whole body relax, including your pelvic floor. And so everyone is going to be different on in what they use to cope through labor, you know, whether it's, you know, using the birth ball or using water like a tub or shower, using the peanut ball, you know, being able to do different labor positions. Um, and for some people also an epidural actually helps relax their body, including their pelvic floor. And prior to getting epidural, they were just really tense. And I've heard this before from a number of people that their care provider noticed that they weren't able to, you know, let go into a contraction. And so their care provider recommended that perhaps it was a good time to have an epidural because labor had been going on for a period of time. Um, and then the person who gave birth ends up saying, you know, they got the epidural and it did do that. It helped them relax. It gave them rest. It allowed their body to let go. Um, and then labor progressed. So just to keep in mind, there's lots of ways to allow your body to relax into labor. But if you do get a chance to learn about your pelvic floor before birth, it can be helpful to learn how to connect with your pelvic floor and how to relax and lengthen your pelvic floor, like I mentioned with an earlier question. And so the breath I often use with my clients, I used myself and that I teach in my bump to birth course is called the flower bloom breath. And that's essentially as you inhale, you're picturing relaxing the pelvic floor, that flower bloom out of the bottom of your pelvis. And as you exhale, you're keeping that flower open to help your pelvic floor stay relaxed. And so I'll have people bring that breath into different yoga postures when they're going to the washroom and also practice in labor and pushing positions. So 
And when it comes to pushing, you want to think of that inhale to lengthen the pelvic floor and then exhale, you know, sending the air down into the pelvis during pushing. And so open glottis pushing can also be helpful. So that's when you let some of the air out of your mouth, but you can still direct your focus and your energy down into your pelvis. And so the key thing is, like I said, if you do get a chance to learn about this in your pregnancy, the key thing is practicing um, and not just kind of waiting for labor to try to learn how to connect with these muscles. And so, you know, seeing a pelvic health physiotherapist in pregnancy can be helpful to learn specifically about your pelvic floor and what works for you. But I know that seeing a public health physiotherapist isn't always accessible to everyone. And so there can be various online resources. And that's why I created the Bump to Birth online course, because its focus is preparing you, your pelvic floor and core for birth. And the next question is that I got in my DM was, you mentioned in a recent Instagram post about mentally preparing my body for birth. How can I do this? I'm really excited to meet my baby, but I'm terrified of labor. And so I first want to let you know, this can be a really common feeling, this excitement, but also this nervousness or stress about, you know, labor, about getting the baby here. And so different ways that you can prepare mentally for birth is, you know, taking prenatal classes so that you're aware of, you know, stages of labor, what can happen during labor, but also options during labor and birth. Learn about labor, learn about induction. Whether you plan to have an epidural or not, I do highly recommend learning about them because you don't know once you're in labor, as well as other different labor coping strategies. And so all of these are a way of mentally preparing for birth and also hearing different types of birth stories. So I did a previous episode specifically focused on this. And so if you only hear one type of birth story, it's hard for you to picture birth going any other way. So if you only hear negative stories or you only hear positive stories, or if you only hear one type of birth, so you only hear about cesarean births or only people who've had epidurals or only people who have not had epidurals, um, and you haven't heard different ways that people cope through labor, I do highly recommend whether it's listening to podcasts, we have a number of podcasts, episodes with different birth experiences. There's a lots of other great birth podcasts as well. Also learn about doulas. And I know right now that not everyone can have a doula physically with them, but there are a lot of amazing options for virtual doulas who offer wonderful support for you and your partner during labor. So those are some key ways to mentally prepare. Now, when it actually comes to labor, it's good to remember it's not just a physical event. It's actually a mental event. And that preparing mentally is actually also going to help your body in labor. So like I talked about earlier, being able to mentally prepare is going to allow your body to let go into labor and help to cope through labor. So for some people, breath work can be helpful. But again, don't assume that just trying to use a technique in labor is necessarily going to be helpful or that you're going to connect to it. So I do highly recommend if you're thinking of using breath work or any strategy you're thinking of to use in labor, I highly, highly recommend practicing it earlier in pregnancy. And two other ways are also meditations and affirmations. 
And so if those are a good fit for you, that can be helpful to use during labor as well. But again, those can be most helpful if you do practice them ahead of time. And so, for example, I ended up using the hypnobirthing meditations and affirmation audio tracks for both of my births. How I ended up using them was I would listen, I would alternate them, but I would listen to them going to sleep. So I would hear the first part and then I never really heard the end um, as I would fall asleep. But the idea behind it is that it sinks into your um, subconscious. So then when you're in labor and you listen to them again, it'll take you back to that deep zone of relaxation. And I found it worked for me. Everyone is going to be different. So you have to see if it's a fit for you. I've had a number of clients use different types of meditations and affirmations. You can also have to, um, if you prefer, you know, having your partner go through whether it's a meditation or uh, speaking affirmations to you or having them written down. So there's various ways you can actually bring those two like meditations and affirmations into your birth. Um, So again, seeing what works for you, but both of those can be quite helpful as well. And so often I go through with my prenatal physiotherapy clients, I start talking about this early on because it can take some people time to figure out what works for them and then having that time to practice. So with mentally preparing for birth, just know that it's never too early. It's also never too late. If you're listening to this and you're due any time now, you can still start working on these now and, you know, finding what fits for you, talking it over with whoever's going to be supporting you at your birth so they can also help you with whatever strategies you feel like will be a good fit. And so with my Bump to Birth online course, I also go through these different options. And I also had my naturopath, who was my doula with my first birth, create a specific pregnancy and labor meditation affirmation audio track, which is a free bonus within the course. And it includes pelvic floor relaxation cues throughout, which is a great reminder during birth. So going back, if you've been practicing lengthening your pelvic floor, using your breath to connect to your pelvic floor during pregnancy it can be helpful to have some of those reminders during labor because it might help you connect with further relaxation, which could help with progress. So we're going to move on to some postpartum questions. And again, if you're listening to this and you're pregnant, it's definitely worth listening to these ahead of time because preparing for postpartum while you're pregnant can be extremely helpful. It can help you feel more confident going into birth, knowing you have some preparation for your recovery. So the first question is, how do I reduce pain and swelling after a vaginal birth? So this is a great question, and I know so many people are wondering, what can they do? So a few key things is, what's not talked about very much is actually rest after a after birth in general. Um, and I know this is going to vary for everyone, especially if you have, if this is not um, your first birth, if you do have other children you're taking care of and depending on the support you have available, the physical support, but also the mental and emotional support, you might not be able to get as much rest as you would want. But the idea of if you can pace yourself during the day, if you can take those times to sit or lie down, especially in those first couple weeks, um, and to also notice you may be on your feet a lot more than you think. And it can be because your days look different. 
So previous to baby arriving, you may think of a quote unquote busy day looking one way. Um, And now that baby has come, a day is going to look different, but you may find yourself on your feet a lot more um, for various reasons. So the idea of rest, you know, sitting, lying down when you can, taking some pressure off um, your pelvis, your pelvic floor can really be helpful. Now, also to our padsicles, which can help with swelling. Now, I do talk to clients about this because everyone here has different information about padsicles. And so if you're wondering what these even are, um, postpartum, it'll be recommended that you do get some larger pads to have because you'll be experiencing something called lochia, which is the bleeding that happens after um, after giving birth, which is very normal. And so your care provider should be going over things to watch for with this bleeding postpartum. And it will taper off over time. Everyone is different how long it lasts for. And so you'll be using larger pads after birth. And so what a padsicle is, is what you can do is put... Um, Alcohol-free witch hazel is usually what I recommend putting on the pad. And then you would put it in the freezer. So essentially it gets quite cold. And then you put it, you put it on when you're ready. And so for some people, it does give some relief. But something to be mindful of is if you do find padsicles relieving, you don't want to put one padsicle and then put another one on and another one on. You want that area of the body to be able to go back to room temperature again before putting cold. You don't want to keep something cold on it constantly all day. So I do tell clients alternate um, a padsicle and a room temperature pad, which can be helpful again for swelling. The other thing too that I mentioned about support is that Planning in pregnancy, looking ahead for what support is available for you. So again, I know right now with social distancing, it's not always possible to have the support you perhaps pictured you would have postpartum, but planning ahead for whatever support you can get to physically help at home can be again helpful um, with reducing pain and swelling after birth. Another tip is the using breath work after birth and connecting to your pelvic floor. So how I talked about earlier that I typically um, address the pelvic floor using the breath as well. So as we inhale, pelvic floor relaxes. And then as we exhale, it lifts if we're looking at um, activating and lengthening the pelvic floor. And so, you know, tuning into your breath which you could even as of the day you give birth and not that you have to feel pressured that you need to start doing that. Um, Often it can feel quite nice to start doing um, what I call it like some rib breathing. So breathing more into your ribs. Now that baby is out, uterus is starting to contract down. You might feel like you have a bit more space. And so starting with some breath, which can again help to connect into that pelvic floor and then adding in the pelvic floor cueing with your breath, even within a day or two after, um, basically what that can do is help create almost like a, a sump pump effect around the pelvis and pelvic floor. So that may also help with um, swelling, but also cir- circulation and pain in the area. Um, and it shouldn't be painful to do that. If it is, you want to leave it and just focus on your breath. And then again, going back to that flower bloom breath, some people will have focus on that soon after birth or do a little bit of both. Do some pelvic floor activations with your breath and some pelvic floor relaxation with your breath. 
So this is to help connect in with those muscles, which again may help with pain and may help with swelling. A position that can be helpful afterwards is something called calves on a stool. And that's where you're lying down and your legs, your hips and knees are bent at 90 degrees essentially. And you're letting your calves rest on. So whether if you're, let's say in the living room, you could have them rest on your couch or on an ottoman. Um, If you're on your bed, you might want to stack a bunch of pillows to try to get the calves higher. So may take some pressure off your perineum, which is the area between your vaginal opening and your anal sphincter opening. And so it can create, you know, if you're feeling some pressure or discomfort there, that position can often feel quite relieving and you can do some breathing in that position as well. And to go along with this, I often get questions about sitz baths. And so a sitz bath essentially is, it looks like a bowl that sits on your toilet seat and you can put warm water in it and sit on it and essentially is like a mini bath for your pelvic floor and your perineum area and this can be helpful helpful to keep the area clean you would pat it dry afterwards and again for some people helps with pain and swelling what you want to remember with this is you shouldn't feel symptomatic if you're on the sitz bath so For some people not having any support under their perineum or pelvic floor, they actually don't feel great with it. They might feel some heaviness or some pressure. So for them, doing um, a bath essentially in a bathtub might actually be more comfortable. And again, essentially does the same thing, but more of your body is immersed in the water. Um, And for some people doing that isn't comfortable because there is pressure on their perineum and the pelvic floor and they find that uncomfortable. So then a sitz bath on using that, the toilet seat um, would feel more comfortable. So it's one of those things, it's kind of a, you're going to check it out and see what feels better. But both of those, or either of those, I should say, can be helpful for pain or swelling as well. And for the sitz bath on the toilet seat, I do tell my clients, you know, at most five minutes, just because there isn't a lot of support there either. Um, But if you're in a bathtub and doing a bath for that area, you could be in there longer. So the next postpartum question was, I'm currently two weeks postpartum and I had a quite extensive episiotomy. I'm eager to start with some perineal massage and wondering if I can start or if I should wait until the incision is completely closed over. I am booked to see a public health physiotherapist at the six week mark. So this is another great question. And so my recommendation is not doing any massage around a scar until at least six weeks and helpful. I'm glad this person has seen a public health physiotherapist because they'll be able to assess the area at that point but also checking in with your care provider, have them assess it as well, which may be before the six week mark. Um, And with this person, because they mentioned about the incision not being completely closed over, that it can be good, again, checking with a mirror if you feel comfortable doing that to check how things are healing. And if it's not closed over, especially by the six week mark, to check in with your care provider because there may be other things they may recommend to help with that healing. Because even at six weeks, if it's not closed over, I would not be recommending scar massage at that point. You want to make sure that initial healing has happened. So one of the things that your care provider might recommend if the tissue hasn't fully healed by that six-week mark is something called silver nitrate. 
And so this is something your care provider or family doc could apply to the area. Essentially, it helps the area almost reheal or signal the body to reheal the area. So I thought I would mention that. I actually had that with my second birth. I didn't have stitches. I had a very kind of superficial type tear, um, but I knew at six weeks it hadn't healed properly. It was still very fragile. So my family doc actually did silver nitrate on the area um, twice. So I had it one time and then two weeks later had it done again. Um, and that's all that was needed. It was really helpful. It just, again, signals the body to essentially reheal the area um, if it hasn't healed by that point. So the next postpartum question is, is walking an okay exercise to do before the six-week checkup with my OB? So this is a, a common question because when it comes to postpartum exercise, people are often told, like, don't do anything for six weeks. Walking is fine, but don't do anything. And at six weeks, you can go back to everything. And I always talk about there needs to be like a middle ground with that, that doing rehab exercises for your pelvic floor and core and your whole body and starting to retrain your body even before six weeks can be helpful. It's going to look different for everyone because everyone's recovery is different, but incorporating some of those exercises can be helpful. Now, when it comes to walking, walking is usually talked about as like an exercise that doesn't really require much. But when you think about it, going back again to where I talked about where your pelvic floor is, and it does have a lot of really important jobs, that if you're walking, especially early postpartum, that area of the body can still be quite fatigued with walking a shorter distance than what you were even the day before you gave birth. So even if you haven't had tearing um, and you've had a vaginal birth, your pelvic floor still had to stretch to let baby out. And then you may have had tearing or an episiotomy or forceps or vacuum or had a cesarean birth. And all of these can compromise that area as well. And it needs time and rehab to be able to recover. So I wouldn't recommend returning to longer walks um, soon postpartum. And so this, it is a bit of a gray answer because it's not that you shouldn't be walking. It goes back to what I talked about with rest is pacing yourself and then gradually increasing over time, even if you feel really amazing right after. So I talked to my prenatal physiotherapy clients about this in pregnancy so that they're prepared, even if they feel great postpartum, still take the time you can to rest and gradually build up your walking, starting with shorter walks. And then notice if you have any symptoms like leaking pee, pelvic pressure, any bulgy sensations around your vaginal opening, if you have pelvic pain or low back pain during your walk or after your walk. And then also keep in mind that the lochia I mentioned earlier, so the bleeding that will happen after birth, sometimes it may increase if you end up doing too much activity too soon. And this can even include walking. So that might be a sign to you as well that it might be too much. And so pacing yourself, gradually increasing um, can be okay. And if you do have questions, I always recommend speaking with your care provider um, or if you're working with a public health physiotherapist. Now, our last question about postpartum recovery, and this person is preparing for a cesarean birth. And I think a common misconception is that 
if you're preparing for a cesarean birth or you had a cesarean birth that you really don't need any rehab or that public health physiotherapy wouldn't apply to you, but really it does. There still is a lot of healing in the abdomen, the pelvic floor, and your whole body um, that happens after cesarean birth. So this particular person asked about preparing ahead of time for the potential numbness that could be happening around their scar. And so this can be really common. However, there are things you can do to help. So it's not uncommon that people will feel numbness or achy or burning around their scar or their abdomen after a cesarean birth. And for some people, it's in different areas. So I've had some clients where it's all below the belly button, other people it's above the belly button, other people it's one side. And so I do tell people first, you know, check with your care provider if you're feeling symptoms or concerns around the area, because you do want to make sure um, that there is no infection and that the scar is closing properly. So desensitizing the area refers to using different surfaces and gently rubbing them along the abdomen, which can help with those sensations. So decreasing burning or aching or numbness over time. And so desensitizing means using different surfaces. So for example, like a Kleenex, a Q-tip, a body brush that you might use uh, before you shower, a face cloth. So different surfaces and gently rubbing them above your scar at this point, which over time can help decrease those symptoms such as burning, aching, or numbness. Once you're at the six-week mark and your scar has initially healed, again, check with your care provider, then you could start massaging your scar. And I'll include the link of the technique that I teach. I'll include it in the show notes. And so all of these pregnancy, birth, and postpartum questions are ones that I recently received in my DMs on Instagram. However, these are questions that I do get all the time on social media, and then also my prenatal physiotherapy clients come in with. And so I often hear from whether expecting or new moms is why did no one tell me about what our body can experience, whether in pregnancy, birth, or postpartum, whether it's pelvic pain, leaking pee with exercise, vaginal tearing, or recovering from a cesarean birth. And so like I said earlier, no one can guarantee how your birth will go. However, working with hundreds of pregnant clients in my physiotherapy practice, I've seen how working together with your body rather than against it or ignoring it benefits not only you in pregnancy, but also during your birth and your postpartum recovery. There is so much misinformation online and it can be confusing to sift through. And so this is why I opened the Bump to Birth course in January 2020. And I've had many expecting moms already go through the program, as well as professionals such as labor and delivery nurses, doulas, pelvic health physiotherapists, fitness coaches, and prenatal yoga and Pilates instructors. And so if you're not familiar with Bump to Birth, it's my online program guiding you step-by-step to prepare you, your pelvic floor and core for birth, plus how to navigate your postpartum recovery. Now, modules one and two are about understanding and connecting with your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy. Module three are strategies for your mind, body, and pelvic floor during labor and your partner. And module four, supporting you and your pelvic floor during pushing. And module five is postpartum recovery plan for your first six weeks after birth and beyond. Now, there is a bonus that it's really important that you're supported in your pregnancy. 
So you have access to the private members only Facebook group where you can ask questions. Plus I offer live Q and A sessions twice a month. Now what's extra exciting is that this week, two new bonuses were added to the postpartum module. One is the six-week postpartum recovery exercise series guiding you step-by-step to rehab and retrain your pelvic floor and core. Getting all this information before baby arrives gives you more confidence heading into birth. And the other bonus is a postpartum recovery meditation created by Mitt Stone of Birthing Noir to help with your recovery and bonding with baby. So if you're ready to feel mentally and physically ready for birth, Join me and many other expecting moms in the Bump to Birth course. Join today before the price goes up on September 5th. So I will put the link in the show notes for you. And if you have any questions, you can always DM me on Instagram or send me a private message over on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 